0: I just looked at my husband. I said, I have got to have relief tonight. I cannot go another day. I've got to have some relief.
1: Welcome to The Real Talk 238 Podcast with your host, Denise Lee, a licensed professional counselor and nationally board certified counselor in the state of Alabama. The focus of The Real Talk 238 Podcast is to have real conversations concerning taboo topics that people in the church may find themselves struggling with or feel they may not be able to talk about. The topics discussed on The Real Talk 238 Podcast are intended strictly for informational and educational purposes only. These topics are not a substitute nor does it replace professional medical, psychiatric, psychological, or mental health advice, nor is it a substitute for a diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or a qualified licensed mental health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or mental health disorder. right now. Let's get started.
2: Hey everyone. Today I just wanted to talk a little bit before the interview. This topic today is about grief and my friend Michelle Pinton and I had an awesome discussion about the topic of grief through our own experiences and how we deal with it. If you are struggling with grief or you know somebody that is struggling with grief, please share this episode with them. If you are in need of finding a therapist, like if the grief has become so much that you're not able to move forward, then I would suggest finding a therapist. There is the Center for Apostolic Counseling at www.apostoliccounseling.org. And look for a therapist in your state. That's very important. The other option, if you can't find one in your state, is to go to psychologytoday.com, enter your zip code, and then you can filter down options for therapists in your area. By insurance, if you prefer a Christian or non-Christian, whether you prefer a male or female, or it may not even matter. Those are some options for being able to talk to somebody about grief. Grief can be a challenging thing, but it's not the end of the road. You can get help and you can get better. So please wait for this short announcement and then the interview will start after that. With all the recent negative headlines in regard to church negligence and reporting, it is more important now than ever for churches and ministry to be proactive so they aren't the next headline for a major news network or on social media. How many times have you questioned if a situation or behavior was reportable? As a church leader, how often have you feared being targeted by an individual because you didn't know what procedures or steps that you needed to take as a mandated reporter? Felicia Miller of Greater Purpose Counseling has a solution for you. I was able to interview her on episode 25 about her church risk management paperwork packet That she has created and has well designed to protect churches and ministry from being the next negative hot topic in a news broadcast or on social media. Her paperwork addresses issues like having domestic violence, sexual abuse, elder abuse, and suicidal ideation. By using her church risk management paperwork, churches and ministry can take steps to protect themselves because the paperwork clearly outlines what is reportable. Protect your ministry and church from being the next headline. For more information, contact Felicia Miller at fmiller, that's F-M-I-L-L-E-R, at greaterpurposecounseling.com. Again, that's fmiller at greaterpurposecounseling.com. Hey, everyone. Thank you today for listening to the Real Talk 238 podcast. I'm your host, Denise Lee. I am super excited about my guest today. I can personally say she's one of the most precious people I know, sweet friend. And I just have to tell this before I introduce her. When I first moved to the state of Alabama, I was going through a really challenging time. And I went to Ladies Conference that year. I think it was in 2010, I believe. I was by myself, nobody from my church. So I went and afterwards I went to Olive Garden and there was my guest, her sister, her mom, some of the ladies from her church and her sister came over and invited me over. And that impression, I mean, and it was just a wonderful fellowship. And that impression has stayed with me. Here we are 2021. I've never forgot that. So you just never know. And here she is all these years later on my podcast. So, and I couldn't think of anybody better to do this. Her name is Michelle Penton. She's from Madison, Alabama. She's a pastor's wife, teacher, and I must say an exceptional musician. She's just awesome piano player and singer. And she's married to Kendall. She's been married for 31 years. She has two sons, a daughter, two in loves, a grandson, and one on the way. Do you know yet, boy or girl?
0: Boy, another boy. Another boy. Awesome.
2: No pets. They pastor LifeGate Church in Madison, Alabama. And she has been at this church for 17 years, but she's been in church most all her life since she got the Holy Ghost about five years old.
0: I was three days old when my mother first took me to church. She came out of the hospital, took me to church.
2: Yeah. So yeah, you've been in church all your life. All my life. So she currently serves in ministry. Again, she's pastor's wife, minister of music, and they also have a Christian school and she's overseeing that. So that's another area of ministry, as well as everything that comes with when you're the head people. There's a lot of hats you fill. She describes herself as loving God. She loves her family. She loves a good cup of coffee or hot tea and a good book. She said the fun fact about her was that she doesn't think she's really fun, but her sister is the bomb. And with a hilarious sister like her, is she going to be listening to this? Hopefully. Hopefully okay. <laughs> well, she she would love it. She said, "With a hilarious sister like her, I don't have to be." And honestly, they're both just wonderful, wonderful people.
0: How are you doing today? I'm fantastic on a Saturday morning. I'm wonderful. It has taken us 2
2: months I think to I mean, we would schedule it and it get delayed, schedule it and get like it just because life just happened and it was just a thing. And the last time last week, when we was supposed to do that, and you told me somebody just walked through the door, I started laughing. I was like, this is too good. Is there anything else you want to add to
0: that intro? No, I think that pretty much covers it.
2: I asked you today to come on the podcast because I believe it was a year ago. Is it about a year ago
0: that my mother passed away? Yeah. It'll be three years in March.
2: I asked you to come on the podcast to talk about grief because grief is one of those things. It's going to happen to all of us. It's not an option. Kind of like our own personal death. It's not an option. You know, it's going to come. And honestly, when you're connected with people, it's going to come, especially in ministry. You love people and you work with people. And then as time goes on, you know, those people, they, they grow older, they get sick, you know, whatever the case. And so death does come. And the other thing too, and we're not going this direction, but there's also other areas of grief that people don't realize, you know, there's grief. Like when you lose your physical and your health, like if you can't do what you used to do anymore, there's grief in loss of relationships. Like if you move away from a church family, you're going to grieve that church family. The move may not necessarily be a bad thing because grief can also come in joy as well in joyful situations, but it's just a part of life. That's where we're headed today about the whole topic of grief, how you work through that. And like some of the things that you that you may or may not struggle with as time goes on. I know for myself, I'm coming up on the four-year anniversary of my mother, and we both have very different histories and perspectives of our mothers. Your mother was a very wonderful woman, and I wish I could have got to know her a whole lot more than at Olive Garden. But what I did know, it was awesome. My mother was not that person sometimes there's other areas. I honestly do grieve like what I didn't have. And that's okay, because that's just part of who I am and where it goes. What kind of person was she?
0: She was all kinds of people. (laughs) Just a wonderful one. She was a godly woman. She served the Lord with her whole heart. We were always at the church. If anything was going on at the church, we were there. We, our tent was always set toward the kingdom. We ate, drank, slept church.
2: Now, was your parents involved in ministry?
0: No, not at all. In fact, my dad just recently got baptized. he I didn't grow up with him going to church, yes. But my mom, Now, he always made sure we were there. And I'm so thankful for that. I was very blessed. But my mom, we were always, at, I mean, anything going on, we were at church. Church was took first priority. Any extracurricular activities we were involved in, if it conflicted with church, church always took top priority. And I'm so thankful for that because she taught me to put God first in all things. And that in every situation in life, that we can always look to God, the author and the finisher of our faith. And he would, you know, he's going to guide us and direct us. She was also a a professional. She was quite an accomplished woman in her career. She was a nurse, just I believe she became an LPN at twenty when she had two small children. I just applaud that.
2: Right. I know some nursing students. It's tough. Yes,
0: it was very. I re. I vaguely remember, but I do remember how tough it was on her. And plus, I, if I remember correctly, that she would uh, work. She'd go to school all day, and then she would work like the three to eleven shift or the eleven to seven shift, and so that she could either be there when we got up in the morning to see us off to school, that kind of thing. But she was very accomplished. She's done everything from, which is, let me just say this. She was, she was dropped out of school when she was 16 years old to marry my dad. She was so motivated and education was so important to her that once she became an LPN, she just didn't stop. And she's done everything from, being just a floor nurse, to being a nurse manager, to teaching at a college and university, to being the, back then they called him the director of nursing, now they call him like the chief nursing officer or something, managing an entire hospital. She was recruited all over the United States. She could have lived anywhere, but her heart and love was for the underserved. The latter part of her life, once all of us were raised out of the house, she spent in the Delta, Mississippi, serving there. She had a heart of service, whether it was teaching Sunday school, because I know a lot of times that she would work 11 to 7 and then get off of work and then come straight and teach Sunday school. And there were times as... Being a nurse manager of it, she didn't get to leave at seven when church was over and she, I mean, when work was over and she might show up to teach Sunday school in her nursing uniform, but she was always faithful. She never missed church. She would sleep. I don't know how she did it, honestly. And she was a phenomenal mom. She loved shopping. That was always the thing that we all did together. We, everybody enjoyed going shopping with my mom because she just made it fun. And you like to shop, right? Right. You know, I used to, since my mom passed away, it's kind of lost its zeal. And then we went through that whole COVID thing. So now I'm more of an online shopper. Now at conference, I love shopping all the boots. I just love looking around. But since mother passed, it's kind of lost its thrill because that was something that we did together. And especially she and I, and my sister, we, it was just always a fun time for us. Now my sister is an avid. She got that from, she is an avid shopper.
2: She's an avid shopper. Well, I just wondered, because I remember you guys had posted a trip. It was a a girl's trip, I think. I mean, you guys were hitting the shops and I'm like, okay. Yes,
0: we were. And and my sister still every now and then will force me to go do that with her just because I always have fun, but just to get up and go shopping myself, like I even buy my groceries online, but my mother also, we got our love for coffee from her. We always used to laugh and told her that when she passed away, when they went to embalm her, they would find nothing but coffee. (laughs) (laughs) No blood, just coffee. (laughs) Coffee in her veins. (laughs) Yeah, coffee in her (laughs) veins. But also, she was just all about her kids too, and then her grandchildren. We laugh and say that my mom raised three only children. And ironically, recently my daughter was asked about her family and something that she was being interviewed for. And she said the same thing. She said, my mom raised three only children. And I took that as a compliment. About you? Yes. She was talking about <laughs> me. And I took that as a compliment because while my brother and my sister and I are all still very close, we never felt like that mom was spending more time with one than the other. And when to hear my daughter say the same thing, I thought, oh, well, if that means to her what it meant to me, thank the Lord, because sometimes I felt like she got cheated because the boys were so consuming. But my mom, she was just a, I don't know, I could not sum her up in just one person, one word, because she was just so many things to so many people. She was a very giving person. She just raised us to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind and to love our families and we put God first and then our families, and that was just the way she raised us, that it, keep things in priority. She always had us in church, and everything we did was in church, and that's the way I did my kids. It was very natural when we became home missionaries that our children were very much involved in the ministry, and that I just give that for my mom because that's the way she was. We helped her decorate Sunday school rooms, and we helped her whatever she was doing, whether it was cleaning the church or Whatever, whatever she was doing, we were part of that.
2: That's awesome. And that's the way it goes, especially when you are, I mean, your mom did have a ministry.
0: I mean, she had a giving ministry and. Yes, she did. And a teacher, unbelievable teacher. He taught the word. She discipled. I know a, a pastor and his wife in Mississippi right now that my mother discipled them because I had met them when I was in high school and she discipled them. And now they are pastors. That is so
2: awesome. And when I asked you that question, if you grew up in a minister's home, you know, I was thinking more along the lines of like a pastor's home. And I guess that's where you were. I, I don't know. I don't want to assume, but that's where my mind was going. But yeah, you, that teaching is a definite ministry. Oh, absolutely. I'm so thankful for, for people who take the the step to pastor a church because that's a lot of work that is something I don't want to do. (laughs) I don't have no desire to do me and my husband. We got a, a small taste of that. Not, not to the huge amount, because we had at one point we were, we never had the official title. We were just like, we were pretty much like the assistant pastor and pastor's wife. And when the pastor would go out of town, we, we were filling that role and man, we felt the burden. And when the pastor came back, thank goodness the burden lifted Right back where it should back to the pastor and his wife. So I just never, I've never, you know, there for a time. Yeah, we thought maybe, but no, nah, just it's, I don't know. God just had different plans for us and I'm okay with that. And because ministry is not just all about the pulpit. Yes, that's a big portion of it, but it's not all of it. Oh, I think that's a-
0: small portion of ministry. Oh, I stand to be corrected there. <laughs> That's just the way I see it. Pulpit ministry is about 5% of what pastors do in my opinion.
2: I mean, cause you don't see when past, and I know this is off topic, but you don't see when you're, when the pastor goes to in the middle of the night, when somebody's sick in the hospital at my church, uh, there was a, there's, there was a couple at the church and the husband, he was dying of cancer and during that pro- that process of transition, because it was quite a transition, my pastor went over there and mowed their yard. He didn't have to do that, but he did it out of a giving heart, and it was like, wow, you know. And so there's so much more to ministry, and I'm just gonna put this in there. If if people get offended because their pastor is not reaching out to them, or well, one, have you told your pastor you got something going on? Two your pastor and pastor's wife, not only do they have a whole church, but they have their own family. So I'm just throwing that in there. This was not part of it. I don't think I'm going to edit this out. So, cause it just needs to be said. And that's why I appreciate, I appreciate all my friends that are pastoring because that's a whole huge role that I don't have a desire for. And I'm so thankful they do,
0: especially in this day and time.
2: Anyways, back to your mom. Now, what was the cause of her death?
0: My mother had cancer. In fact, when you met her, she had cancer and she went through all of her treatments and then she was fine and she made it to like her five-year mark. And when she went back, they found that the cancer had come back, back into her bones. And then the Lord healed her from a tumor that was in her spine. But then the cancer came back three battles of cancer. We had a long, long nine year battle with cancer with my mom on and off the last time it came back, though, it came back with the vengeance and it, it was just it just spread all over her body and in her bones.
2: And that that's tough, especially because this wasn't like an instant you hear of some people they have a massive heart attack. And then that it like, it hits you out of nowhere. No, this was ongoing nine years for when you're going through that, through that process, that grief process actually starts back nine years prior. When you was going through that period before she had passed away, but it was leading up to that
0: point of her transitioning. What was it like during that grief period? Well, you know, it's, This is going to sound really bizarre because I think for the first seven and a half years, maybe, we didn't think my mom's going to pass away because she had such faith and she built so much faith in us. We just 100% believe that God's going to raise her up and he's going to heal her because he had so twice in this cancer process, she got complete healing. When it came back the third time, We had so much faith, man, God's going to heal her again. We don't know why she's going through this, but we just keep believing that God's going to heal her. But there toward the end, it became evident that that was not going to be God's plan for her. And she just got worse and worse and worse. I think we got to the point where we realized that my mom was only hanging on for my dad and for the three of us. And she was so strong. It got really bad at the end. And when we realized that every day she was fighting just to stay alive because we weren't ready to let her go. The last two weeks of her life, my sister and I both took off work and we went and stayed. And we're so thankful to have those two weeks to stay with her. But in her mind, I think it signaled to her that, okay, we're going to make it. And she was, of course, concerned about my dad because he didn't have a church family. Like she knew that my sister and I would be going back to, and my brother doesn't; he's not in church. She knew that he didn't have a church family. That was a a big concern because your church family really steps in in times of grief and sorrow, and, and laughter and tears. That they're there. But she was really concerned. I know that my father did not have a church family, and so she really. Talked to my sister and myself about making sure that we took care of my dad.
2: And your dad wasn't in church, right?
0: No. And he just, like I said, he just recently was baptized about a year and a half ago. and We were just overjoyed. And now he lives here with us and attends church. I can't help but think, Lord, if my mom, I hope she knows that because she would be ecstatic. When we lost my mom, my sister and I had to get to the point where we were praying, okay, God, your will be done. If you're not going to heal her, though, we don't want her to suffer anymore. And that was hard because after someone passes away, we have a way of forgetting how terrible the end was. And then we just remember the good. And I went through a time where I felt guilty, like, did I pray for God to take Mama away? And that was why he did. It's just bizarre. But when you're grieving, I mean, we know that that's ir- irrational thinking, but when you're in the grieving process, you have irrational thoughts. You're so wrong.
2: Yeah, actually, that's a very normal part of the, So it's not irrational thinking. It's normal thinking for a not normal situation,
0: if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think that for, I know for my sister and myself, mom's death was just like the final thing we could take emotionally. In three and a half years, we lost the three women who raised us. We were so blessed that we had an aunt, a very godly woman who doted on me and my sister. That's right. I remember you telling me about this. She passed away about two years before my mother did. And they were so close. They were sister-in-laws married to brothers. They and my grandmother, who is my dad's mom were so close that people who would just meet them thought that my grandma was their mama and their, they were sisters. That's how close they were, and that's the way I thought that all marriages were. <laughs> Boy, and all I thought all mother in laws were like my grandma.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness! And then you get into pastoring and and you learn
0: something whole new. <laughs> yes, you start learning all different that whoa, they're not all like my grandma was. So after my aunt died, my mom's. Cancer had already come back. And my grandma was like, I can't lose another child. She had already lost a son and a daughter and now a beloved daughter-in-law to cancer. And now when mamas came back, it was last stages automatically. My grandma, I don't know. She had always said that she never wanted to get to the point where she was being taken care of. She valued her independence. She never wanted to be in a position where someone had to take care of her. In the last year of her life, she started getting just really going down a lot. And and then she passed away. Before or after your mom? Before my mom.
2: Here you have your aunt two years
0: prior. And then my grandmother died. Maybe it's three years prior to mom because it was a year and a half, I think, between each one that they passed away. We barely, we're not even done grieving and getting through the process of my my aunt passing away till my grandma just unexpectedly passed away. And then we're dealing with cancer with my mom.
2: And then you've got, so you've got aunt and then you're trying to make it through that process, that part of the grief process with everything there. Then your grandmother, well, here we go again. Now it's, it's piled
0: on and, and now your mom. And the thing is, is that, those three women were so invested in mine and my sister's lives. And I'm sure they were for everybody. I'm sure all the nieces and nephews probably feel the same way, but they each had a way of making us feel like we were just incredibly special. But we added to the fact that we all went to church together. Not all of our cousins did. My sister and I had that extra thing that growing up we had two choices. We could sit my mom in church. Or we could sit by my mom and Aunt Annie. That was our choices. You know how important it is. You know, that that's who taught us how to worship. And they were all heavily involved in the kingdom. And that's who we went shopping with. If we, growing up, looking back, I think, my goodness, they invested a lot of time in our lives. But we didn't have any place to shop in our hometown. So there would be nothing to say. Hey, let's go to Memphis and we'd all pile it in the car and go to Memphis and stop. Yes, the five of us. They were a big part of our weddings and and they were there for every baptism, every baby dedication. And even though we lived, you know, by the time my third child was born, I lived 14 hours away, but they were still there. It's just a very and to have those three pillars to be gone virtually all at the same time it was a tough period of time. And then being heavily involved in ministry, it's almost like you don't have time. You got to put on that fake mask. Although I don't think anybody really expects that, but we feel like we do. I call it the
2: glass house. Everybody, and I'm not going to say this experience is the same for everybody in ministry, but just from my own experience, I did not like the glass house. I still don't like the glass house. And I've heard comments about, well, why is she so stuck up? Meaning talking about the pastor's wife or the preacher's wife or whatever. And it's because, you know what? We're really guarded. Yeah, it may look like a facade. It's not a facade. It's because it's survival. And then also, if we're really struggling, that's not where our heart is. Our heart is always for other people because...
0: And it's hard so, to take care of yourself. Yes, it is. It's definitely hard. Because you spend your whole life taking care of others and being concerned about others. I'm a giver. I, I, I love, I pour myself into other people. I don't receive that very well. And that was one thing that I learned during that process that it was okay to let people do for me. And thank God we have such a beautiful family of God church here in Madison. And our church ladies really, really stepped, I guess, I don't think that they stepped up. I think they were just who they were always, just took care of me during that time, randomly bring food. Because I came back, I spent two additional weeks with my dad, just to try to help him get his affairs settled. And then I came home and went right back to school on Tuesday teaching. So I really didn't give myself time I should have taken another week or two off. The kids would have been fine. I should have taken another couple of weeks off just to be with my own children because I got so caught up. I was in such a state of pain and trying to function that I think I did not even really minister to my own kids during their grieving process. I wished I was more aware of their grieving during that time.
2: When you're involved in ministry, you're just very conditioned. It's just part of your makeup. You give to others. You, you're usually most of the time you're always, you're the last person you think of because you're always focused on everybody else, the needs of everybody else. Does this person over there, do they have what they need? Maybe this person over there, you know, they're struggling with this. So you're always giving out and eventually you don't have nothing in your own bucket, There ain't nothing left to give out. And so did you ever find a time where you hit that point? During
0: that time I did. And I think that was the first time I had, I I don't think it's the first time I had gotten there. I think it's the first time I recognized that I am spent. I can't do anymore. And I remember expressing that to my husband, which, you know, men try to fix things. And, and he, it, I didn't even realize the struggle on him because I think, Because he was like, wow, if pastoring the church is too much for my wife, we'll do something different. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's just that right now I've given all I can. I can't do anything else. It was crazy because right after my mother passed away in March, in December, my daughter, it's just a miracle that she came through a head on collision. And that was, it was awful. It just was an awful, awful experience. And then in, January after that she developed a very rare skin disorder and it took about three months for anyone to even diagnose after about 16 doctors between here and Birmingham and Nashville finally we got a diagnosis and they were able to treat it that was hard that was her senior year in high school we're in grieving process. My daughter's grieving because her grandma's not going to be there to be at her graduation. The first grand you know at that time, the first grandkids, my grandma, my mother always made a big to- do about everything. I mean just everything was worth celebrating. She always orchestrated the big graduation parties for the kids and then Jay and Kyla didn't get that and they and she had been looking forward to it. She'd already bought things for their graduation party and just it was just a hard time. And all of that, it's just like my family was being attacked on every side. One of my sons was still in college and it was tough for him. He was going through a really tough time. And I know it was probably because he was grieving also and trying to go to school and keep things going. And then my other son was going through just a spiritual attack. It was just a hard time for our family. And I did get to the point where like God, am I doing something wrong? Please intervene. We need relief. And I was just hurting like a physical hurt from grief. It was more than just an emotional. I really had like a physical and I was having health issues during all of this. It was just one thing after another. I remember one night, my husband and I, we were at a conference and I remember telling, I just looked at my husband. And I said, I have got to have relief tonight. I cannot go another day. I have got to have some relief. So he told me, he said, okay. So I went to the altar that night and it was a massive conference and nobody came and prayed for me. It wasn't like anything. It, it was me and the Lord. And just, I was able to surrender all of that hurt and that pain and those questions. And, and I have to be truthful. So there was a little bit of anger there too. Like why is all of this happening? And I was able to release that to God. And then that peace that passes all understanding.
2: Oh my word. Yes. I, that just brought back memories. Cause I know when, after my mother had passed away. It was that same thing, the questions. I mean, and I'll be quite honest, I got angry with God at times. And I'm sure not for the same reasons, because again, we grew up in two totally different environments. Mine was more of the, well, God, why couldn't you've given me a different mom? Why did I have, you know, those type of things. And I think God understands that anger is a very normal emotion. And yes, the, the physical part of it. I was reading this book this morning. I've been reading it for a while. It's a great book. If you are involved in ministry, if you're pastoring in church, you need to get this book. It's called Suffering in the Heart of God by Diane Langberg. Oh, my word. It's so good. I'm halfway through this book and, I, and God just prompted me, go, go pick up that book you're reading. And I opened it up and that, where I very opened it up to the many faces of grief. And I was just like, oh, my word. And so you're right. It's, you're going to go through those episodes. And some of the things that she talks about in here is like, there's the, the shock and denial. We go through that. There's the numb, like, oh my word, those are very normal feelings. And one thing I don't think people realize is when those feelings pop up, it's okay. It's okay to have them because you're having normal reactions, responses to situations that you wouldn't normally be going through but it's a part of life. And then you mentioned about the physical and grieving. It does. It has physical manifestations for some people. They're going to have chest pains. They're going to feel like they can't breathe. Their heart might be racing. Maybe they have like a emptiness in their stomach or sweaty palms that they normally don't have. Sleeping and eating patterns kind of go out the door, whatever normal was that disrupts. Things, everything, mind, emotions, anger. Okay. That's a huge part of it. And in the beginning, we possibly could feel like overwhelming sadness, disappointment, hurt, and fear. Well, anger is right in there too. And it's going to come. And I remember specifically this one day I was in the bathroom and it finally hit me like a ton of bricks. And it was because a friend had texted me and said, She said something and it was very caring, but I lost it. And I just started like, I was welling, like, you know, that deep welling on the
0: floor. I recognize that because I did, I went through a period like that as well. I remember when that happened, when I was literally on the floor and just crying out. I started out in my regular prayer time and it just like damn burst because you have to understand I was very good, and I'm still very good at hiding. So probably, other than just my husband and probably my sister, didn't realize how much I was grieving. I don't know if you remember this, but my mother died, and two weeks later, we we had ladies' conference, and I came right. And my sister and I, she was on the praise team, and I was, of course, in charge of all the registration and all the other things that year, you know— as always, but that particular year. And it was like, we both just shut down and went into this automatic mode to do what we needed to do. And
2: that is normal. It's like, let's take care of business. We're going to put the grief hat over here. We're going to, it's compartmentalizing, taking care of business. And then when it's all over, we'll put that hat back on.
0: It just took me a long time to, I should have put that hat back on quicker. Because all during, like if I was at church or at school, I would be very autopilot, faking joy and faking. I mean, you as Holy Ghost filled Christians, I feel that we always, there is a certain amount of joy always. There is something that keeps us. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And sometimes it may be just a spark, but it's still there.
2: The joy is about, it's not necessarily about being happy.
0: It's not happiness. No, There's, that's
2: two different things. Exactly. You know, when you mentioned about that scripture, the peace of God will pass all understanding. I think I felt that more, and I don't know about you, but I felt that a lot during that time, yeah. several different times when I should have been falling apart. Right. No, I'm
0: not happy about it, but I still have the peace of God. And I think for me, I delayed that whole process because I was just keeping everything so bottled up inside and I would lay in my bed at night and just crying, crying, crying. And um, we couldn't even, like, if anybody ever mentioned my mom's name, I'd have to just excuse myself because I'd just start bawling. And that didn't go away. That lasted still today, three years later. I still, I can't, it's still tough to even, because there's so many things. I was used to picking up the phone and calling my mom whenever I wanted to, which was usually about four or five times a day. I don't know how she ever got anything done because my sister did the same thing. I'm quite certain my brother did too. Texting was beautiful. We'd text her all the time. And my dad and I always talk about how she would just adored. She would have now two great grandbabies. Oh my goodness. She would have been over the moon. And I hate it for my kids that they don't have their grandmother who would be over the moon about their baby. And my niece with a new baby, that she doesn't, when both babies were born, that it was a little, there was a little tinge of sadness there that my mom wasn't there because she made such a big deal about everybody, every milestone, every, everything. She made a big deal about it. And I'm so thankful that my sister has that. She has got that for my mom because she makes a big deal about it. She can make you feel so special. She just remembers everything, every holiday, every, every birthday, every, everything she remembers. And she, in her own way, will make a big deal about it. And that was something that my mom did that I think we all miss.
2: But you guys really do carry it on. And I'm saying this, you, each of you, you do carry that on. For example, back to when I first met you guys, that spoke volume. Here we are 2021. And that impression has never, ever left my mind because it was such that giving. And I can see how your sister was the one. She didn't have to come over. Y'all could have just totally ignored me, but she didn't. You know, you've reached that part of your mom, shine forth full and bright.
0: Nikki will appreciate that for sure. She's always felt like she's lived in my shadow, but she shines bright on her own. She definitely does. We're, I tell her this. She has certain gifts and I have certain gifts. And together, we're pretty good to him. But my mom was it all. He was every bit of me and Nikki. She had a sense of humor and could make you laugh. And I can't tell you how many nights that we would have girls trips. The three of us would just, we would laugh until we cried. I remember one particular trip we had that we invited my mom's sister and her daughter with us. I still look back. at such great memories. When we all get together, it's just so much fun and such laughter and joy and just true happiness. Even though life is life, but just those moments of just abandon where you can just let it all go and just laugh and have such a good time. And I miss those. My sister and I still have those times. In fact, sometimes I tell her, okay, we're traveling together. I'm always the driver. She don't even ask to drive. She says there's no need to ask. But I'll tell her, okay, you're going to have to keep me awake. So you got to make me laugh. We have been on trips where we laugh for six hours straight. No kidding. And as I told you, since my mother has passed away, on her side of the family, we've lost eight family members. We've made a lot of trips together, my sister and I. But it's just grief. I don't think it ever, ever really goes away.
2: I don't think so either. I mean, do you find that as time has passed, it
0: doesn't go away? I think you learn to live with it. You become, it's the new you.
2: Right. It really is the new you. You learn to manage it. Let me ask you this because I know, again, this has to do more with like because of the part of the country I'm from. I'm not originally from the South. So where I grew up, it's a very different life. Generally speaking, people, Out west, they like their space. Don't get in my bubble. You can get close. When you go visit, if you're not used to that, you think, oh my word, these people are stuck up. No, that's just their normal. And then I come to the south, everybody wants to hug you, love you. What I had a hard time, and I don't know about you, and it took me a while to realize this, it was a culture thing. Because in the South, when somebody passes away in your life and another person will find out about it, the first thing they do, they will immediately say, I'm sorry, and they dropped their head. I don't know about you, but I got tired of hearing that. I didn't want to hear people being sorry that my mom passed away. In fact, one person, and when I responded, it was a I reacted to it, and I remember I got very upset, and I said, "Why are
0: you sorry?" And I was angry, and I don't know if you went through that. Not as much because even though we've lived other places, I was raised in the South, and I think it is just a culture thing. But in one way, it's a way of people saying, I'm sorry for your loss. I hate that you're going through this. But in another way, it's just an automatic response too. And sometimes people say that, and I think they mean it to a certain degree, but it's just like when people say, how are you doing? They really don't want to know how you're doing. No. Oh, fine. Fine. Yeah. And that's our response. And usually people say, I'm sorry, you say thank you. And and you move on. And what I'm saying, it's like a cultural thing. There are sincere people. But you know, as you get older, you realize that your circle, your support group is really small. So while you're surrounded, and I'm thankful for all the people who are not in my immediate support group, because I have friends that don't live here that I really consider my, you know, that's my circle of people that I can say, hey, I need you to pray today. And it's going to happen. But I am thankful for that larger outside group that they may not want to even know the intimate details of hurt and pain or whatever. But they're still there. You know that they are praying for you. But going back to the bubble thing, it's here where we live. Our city is made up very diverse. People come here from all over the world. Where you're located, people don't realize that you're not too far from Huntsville. No, we're basically Huntsville. Huntsville, Madison is one city. And it is so diverse that this is one thing in our church family that we have, because our, our church family, very few people have roots right here in Madison County. And there's a bubble. They want to be there for you because they've learned that Southern way. But when it comes to their own thing, that's so, so funny because we have a wonderful church family, but our church operates very different than a lot of churches in our district. And at first I struggled with that because I felt like that I wasn't doing, I hear what other pastors' wives are doing for their people and all this kind of stuff.
2: Can you explain that? Like when you say it's very different.
0: Okay. I'll give you an example. You said of something about a pastor being called in the middle of the night. We've been here 17 years. Our people, in their minds, it's out of respect. I'm not going to call my pastor in the middle of the night. I can call him in the morning. And I I appreciate you bringing that up. I felt like we've had people to be in the hospital and we find out later and we go, oh my gosh, you should have called us. And they were like, well, all you could do is pray and you're already doing that. But we didn't want to bother you. And I felt like at first it used to bother me because I thought, do I give off that impression that I'm too busy? I don't want you bothering me. But then I realized, no, that is the dynamic of our church. And it's just a different dynamic because our church is so diverse of people from all over the place.
2: That's a good point you do bring up because that's just in a generality. Because to be honest, every church has their own personality. I mean, one church is going to be very... Like you go to one church and it's super quiet. That is their normal. That's their personality. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just how they're made up. Not everybody, obviously, in the church, but just as a whole. And then you go to another church and it's like, Friday Night Live around there. And that's just that church's personality. So it's not, like you said, it's not sin. It's just the dynamic of that church. That's how they're made up. And you know, the scripture says, the Lord
0: puts the body fitly together. And I remember a pastor here in North Alabama, he's passed on now. But um, when we first moved here, he was also a church planner. I remember him calling us one day and we were just starting the church and he said, hey, there's this family that's been visiting my church, but I have asked them to come visit your church because I don't think they fit in here. He said, I don't think they feel comfortable He said, and somebody that's going to fit in at my church, probably not going to fit in at your church and and people's going to fit in at your church. are not going to fit in my church. He said, it's just every church has its own dynamic. And that just was such an eye opening thing for me because I realized, yes, absolutely. That's right. Every church has our personality. I just got chills on that. And the thing is, is that God puts the body together and someone that may come in and get the Holy Ghost. And we've had this happen. They come in, and get the Holy Ghost in our congregation, but they ultimately end up going to another congregation because it's more their speed, more their dynamic. You weren't mean and awful. It's different dynamic. And thank goodness. We've always had good relationships with our neighboring mm-hmm. pastors. And that's something I treasure here in North Alabama, that the relationship we have between the pastors so that when something like that happens, it's okay, we understand it just happened because I'm thinking of one particular case I think if that one particular family had stayed in our church, they would have dried up. They needed a much different dynamic and where they are now, they have been thriving and they're perfectly in the will of God. Yes, they got the Holy Ghost in our church and thank God we were there. But as the Bible says, some plants, some some water, but God gives the increase. And I think that we have to, and I know we're going all around grief, but I think dealing with everybody greets differently and they show things differently. And I think the same principle applies. There is no one size fits all. It's a process. And we have to go through the process. And I remember my grandmother telling me about raising children. She'd say, this is just a stage and you don't want them to skip any stages because they will go back to it. And you'd rather just go through the stage at 13 and not 25. I wonder if she learned anything from Freud. I don't know because she would say her famous deal is like everybody goes over stupid hill. And she's like, you'd rather be stupid when they're 13 and you got some control than to be 30 when you don't have no control. That's right. But that principle applies. I think in every aspect of life, you don't want to skip stages and you don't want to skip the grieving process because you'll keep coming back to it. You will until you deal with that. And you will not have that peace because I still get teary eyed and choked up very easily thinking about my mom because I, I miss her so much i can't tell you how many times i want to pick up the phone and call her and just share like you know hey we had 225 in church on sunday yay because she was so excited when there was seven because we started with just the five of us but I don't know that that's grief necessarily, that, that missing that's just part of the line. Yeah, it is. You do, you miss that person. That painful hurt has been replaced by the peace of God.
2: And here's the other thing too, that you mentioned as well. There is no timetable.
0: No timetable. So
2: if you're one of those people, one of those listeners out there that go around and saying, are you still struggling with that? And I don't care what it is. It doesn't necessarily have to be a death. If it's a grief of any time of loss, Right, and it could be job related. It could be a move. It could be it could be a something happy that happened, and then something sad in the process. And you're going to grieve over that situation. It's not necessarily death, but just that loss. And there's no timetable. There's things that I still grieve about when I was a kid. And has it gotten easier? It's gotten manageable
0: for sure. I've been seeing this, or been more aware of it lately. I think like moms even go through this when. All their children are gone.
2: Yes. That empty nest syndrome is a real thing.
0: You know, it's like, what do you do with yourself?
2: Right. And that is a type of grief too. It really is. Cause your whole normal of taking care of kids and making sure they get to where they need and, and worrying about them. Okay. That's just totally changed. I'm slowly transitioning towards that. My youngest is still at home and the thought of him leaving home just about terrifies me because that's my last
0: one in the nest. My baby girl turned 20 yesterday and I wasn't with her because she's at school and not being with her on her birthday. It really affected me yesterday. It was a little sad, a little grief. And I think it was for her too, because like my mom, we make a big deal about birthdays around here. I talked to her like 10 times yesterday and we FaceTimed, but not having her here on her birthday was a big deal. Which was funny because last year, it wasn't quite as big of a deal because we left there and then we drove right to Montgomery and Cameron proposed to Claire right after that. So we had a lot going on. And while I missed it, we had so much going on that I guess I didn't really get sad like I did. I mean, we made sure that she knew basically didn't do anything different. We talked to her a whole bunch and made sure she had lots of presents and a good birthday and all that. But this year she turned 20. It was like, she's not a teenager anymore. No, it's that milestone. It was a milestone. Even though I had just been with her a few days earlier, it was just a big deal. And I think that women, a cousin of mine were talking about that because her nest has gotten really empty and it's like, what do you do? You have to come to this new normal. And all of that, is every stage of life is, I think we just spend, whether we've lost someone or our children, or, and, and in some ways you feel like that's a loss too. And you're so happy for them because they're doing great things. You don't raise children, you're raising adults. You want them to be adults and you want them to be stable. But then it's about me. I wasn't ready for
2: this. Years ago, when my oldest, he was selling diapers. I went to a ladies conference and sister. That is Tinney, one of the speakers at that conference. And she described herself as just a pot of beans. And I'll never forget, because she was talking about those stages of life. And I remember in my mind, and I don't know if God spoke to her and said, hey, address that real quick. Because in my mind, I was thinking, well, why am I not doing that? Why am I not doing this? And this was more geared towards ministry at that time.
0: I had ironically had this same conversation with Sister Tandy. So that is so funny.
2: And no sooner than I thought that in my mind, the conference, it was a women's conference. So there was a lot of women. She didn't know where I was sitting at. No joke. I swear. I think she looked straight at my direction and she says, you're not to
0: that stage of your life yet, quit worrying about it yeah you're not in that season she told me that I will never forget it when my children were small and I don't know her, I'm not personal friends with her my pastor's wife is a personal friend of hers and I remember her telling me oh honey this is had a, a two-year-old and a very sick infant and I was like you I felt like I'm not doing anything in ministry. And she said, yes, you are. This is a season in your life and your ministry is these children. And she's like, there'll be plenty of time for all this other. And she's right. She's absolutely right. Plenty of time. Now I've got plenty of time in the last two years. we have started full-time school. In addition to the homeschool that we have, it's things that I really felt like that God had laid on my heart 20 years ago, just now getting into coming to be.
2: Right. And here's the other thing too. We're still talking about grief. God does. He put stuff in your heart 20 years ago. This podcast, this came, this was an idea that dropped in my hat back in I don't know, 2004, 2006. I don't even think podcasts were a thing back then, but it was the idea of the direction I wanted to go. It wasn't time. You know, you go
0: through those stages. I think going back to grief, it's just important that you recognize the stage and the season that you're in and be okay with that. Don't put unrealistic expectations on yourself and let yourself grieve. And I'm not saying isolation because isolation is something totally different. I say do not isolate yourself. Don't disconnect yourself from your prayer time and your devotion. Even though it may be just a season of crying, you're still communing that hurt with God and you're letting him come in and being in his presence
2: also with not isolating it's okay to go to church because I remember this had happened I went to church and somebody said how are you doing and I just I looked at them and I just said if I told you I was okay I'd be lying and I started crying right and it's okay to tell that to people
0: because they know they know you're going through that right most of them have been there before Or And if they haven't, they will be. Yeah. And what a blessing, I think, too, is that maybe later someone can look back and say, oh, I remember when she was going through. It's okay not to be okay. We don't have to put on some kind of charade that we've got it all together because let's be honest, none of us have it all together.
2: Right. We haven't,
0: we haven't stepped through those pearly gates yet. Right. And life is life and life can sometimes be really tough. And so I would say, don't isolate yourself one in your relationship with God, keep your prayer life and keep doing what you know to do and your church family. You need that support group. Even though I felt for about two years, I felt completely alone in every crowd I was in, but I knew I wasn't alone. It was just that my grief was so encompassing. I still had that sister coming up and hugging me or saying, hey, I'm praying for you. Or, oh, I love that dress you have on. Just little things like that that just are just little nuggets of encouragement. And if you are isolated, you don't get that from anybody. And it might not be anything directly related to what you're going on, but just little nuggets of encouragement just goes so far. And then with your family, if you have a a wonderful family, hang on to them and, and pull them close during those times because they're grieving too and hold them close. I'm so thankful that the Lord had moved my sister here about a year before my mother passed away. And I I look back and I know that was divine intervention because she needed me and I needed her. We needed each other and our kids needed each other. And during this grieving time and our brother lives an hour away from us, just being able to get together together. It was just, you see how the Lord put all of us in Alabama is crazy because we've all lived all over the place. And somehow or another, before my mother passed away, we're all here in the same state within an hour of each other. My sister was in about a minute of me. But you see, you can look back and see the hand of God. So shore up and grieve together. Everybody grieves differently, but grieve together and be there for one another, and just recognize, like you said, it is okay not to be okay.
2: It's okay to get angry. Something I wanted to say too was, if somebody's going through that grieving process, you know, they just lost somebody, sometimes people just need a little bit of space, and then they just need you to talk to them. They want to talk about it, but they don't always know how, or they aren't always invited to share, and something I had learned is like, people need to feel empathy. They don't want sympathy. Right. So it's perfectly okay. If somebody has passed away, if somebody, you know, has somebody close to them that has passed away, it's okay to go to them and tell them, you know, I can't imagine what you're feeling right now. That's okay to say you're not lying because in all honesty, even if you have lost somebody Your experience is going to be very different from that person's experience. And so I can't tell you how comforting it was for me when somebody did finally, they came to me and they said, I can't imagine what you're feeling right now, what you're going through, but thank you for, for sharing that story with me, man, I can't tell you how big of a hug that was. That was more support to me than somebody coming up and saying, I'm
0: sorry. Now I'm going to cry on that. Oh, absolutely. And for me course, I really love to send cards in the mail. <laughs> that's my thing. I got three right here. I need the mail. But I remember getting cards that people would say, I, I know it, this is really tough on you. I'm here for you if you ever need me. And you feel like they really meant it. If you want to talk or if you don't, that's fine. And there was, I remember one person I took up on, you know, at one point I was like, who I got to talk. And I called them and I was like, did you mean that? Cause if you did, you got time <laughs> and it was like, yeah, I'm here. I think people are sincere and that they really want to empathize with you and somehow share your load, your burden and your hurt, but it's such an uncomfortable topic. People don't know how. They don't know
2: how. And the the best way, if you don't, if you really want to empathize with somebody and be that support person, I'm going to tell you the simplest way, go sit with them and just let them talk you don't have to have advice you don't have to have words of wisdom you don't have to you just sit there and talk get them a cup of coffee or tea if they drink tea and just sit there and let them listen I learned that years ago for whatever re- God knew I was going to be a therapist that's all I can say because I would go through the grocery store and people would stop just strangers would stop and talk to me it would start out hey how are you doing and before long 10 minutes here they are unloading whatever it is I guess I just have it across my head hey talk to me. But in seriousness, they would unload and I would listen. I didn't say anything. I listened. And before it was over within that 15 minutes or so, whatever they needed to unload, they felt better. And that's what it's about. We should be able to go to each other with our burdens and our hurts. And sometimes we're not always able to. And so that's one way that we could do that. As we wrap up, I know you started speaking to different ones, Right now, I want you to speak to that person out there who is dealing with grief and going through it. Maybe they're angry with God. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're questioning everything under the sun of the wise, the how
0: comes, and they don't have the answer. Talk to that person right now. I would say we know when you're going through something like this, you're not normal. And you're not okay. And that is okay to not be okay. Let yourself grieve. I believe that it's okay to have those questions and voice those even in prayer, you know, voice those questions in prayer and voice your hurt and get it out. Allow yourself to go through the process. Don't try to live up to anybody else's process. Okay, because you may look at someone and say, well, they didn't go, you know, what's wrong with me? This person went through the same thing I'm going through and they didn't do this. We don't know. You don't know what a person is going through. You don't know what we are hiding or what we're, because someone might have looked at me and said, wow, she's handling that so well. And I wasn't handling it well at all. I was just really good at looking like I was. The Bible says not to compare ourselves among ourselves. Each one of us have our own process of grieving and we need to recognize that and give yourself the liberty to go through that process without measuring yourself by anything else. Find solace and comfort in the word of God, find solace and comfort in the presence of God and allow people in and, and I'm telling God will do more for you and, and you will come. I, I have come out of this grieving process a stronger and a wiser person. I've come out of it knowing how much I totally depend on the Lord and how good he is and how gracious he is and how his ways are so much better and higher than our ways. Give yourself the grace to go through the process. Man, that was good. Good stuff.
2: Oh, my word. I think we were just every which direction. I was very serious when I said, you know, maybe we might do a second podcast about being in ministry, that aspect. I think it would be wonderful conversation. And that's one of those areas that is not hardly talked about that I think needs to be talked about more because it's needful. But man, I've I've been so blessed. Now I could see why I was really nervous and why this kept getting delayed because God's timing is everything. And so thank you again for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. I really do.
0: Thank you for having me. I, I appreciate that. It was an honor.
2: So if anybody's out there and this just really hit home for you, just know that you are not alone. And if you know somebody who is struggling with this, who's going through the grief process, whether it's because they, a death of a loved one or, or a job loss or some other major loss in their life, you know, reach out to them. You don't have to understand what they're going through. Just reach out to them anyway, and share this podcast with them, share it with them because I know it will bless them. It it might just really help them turn a corner that they weren't able to turn. So until next time, have a blessed and wonderful
1: day. Thank you for listening to The Real Talk 238 Podcast for this week's episode. If you have enjoyed this episode of The Real Talk 238 Podcast, please subscribe so you will be notified when new episodes are released. If you would like to leave a comment or there is a topic you would like discussed on The Real Talk 238 Podcast, you can drop an email at therealtalk238 at gmail.com. You can also find The Real Talk 238 Podcast on Facebook and Instagram listed as at the Real Talk 238. As a reminder, the Real Talk 238 podcast is not a substitute, nor does it replace therapy. Always seek the advice of your physician or a qualified licensed mental health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or mental health disorder. Until next time, have a blessed day.